Hello everyone. Welcome to Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, we've got a good lesson today. And if this is your first time coming to the channel here, we read the scriptures together. We make sure we understand what we're reading. And then we make an application to our lives. And I post a new video by Wednesday of every week. Uh, so if you uh, want to, and if you subscribe to the channel called Reading Through the Bible with Elder Linda, uh, underneath that, if you subscribe to the channel, then you'll be notified every time I post a new video. And also remember that comments and questions are always welcome. And you can add your comments or questions under the, um, the YouTube section or in the Facebook section. Uh, but last week, we, uh, we were in chapter 4, and well, chapter 3 and 4, and we talked about the some of the five excuses that Moses had, the reason why he did not want to go um, to deliver the children of Israel, which was different from uh, what happened 40 years prior, because 40 years prior to that, he was gung-ho about um, saving his people. Remember, he killed the Egyptian, trying to uh, look out for one of his uh, fellow Israelite people, and he ended up having to flee for his life and uh, disappearing and going to live in Midian for 40 years until that Pharaoh had died. <clears throat> so some of his excuses were, who am I to lead the people out? And God's response to that in Exodus chapter three, verse 11 says, well, uh, I'm gonna confirm to you that you're the one to do it because once you lead them out, you're going to come right back to this mountain and worship me. And then the second excuse he gave, well, I don't even know your name. Who am I gonna tell them that sent me? And God told him, and we talked about this all last week, so this is just a, a little short review. Uh, <clears throat> but he, he, said, oh, he said, who am I to lead the people out? And then the second excuse was, I don't know your name, so who, what am I supposed to tell them who, uh, who, who sent, who's sending you? And the Lord told him, tell them, I am. I, I just, I am. All existing, all powerful, almighty. I am. Just tell them, I am sent you. And that was in chapter 3, verse 14. Then his third excuse was, well, what if they don't believe me? Well, in answer to that excuse, God uh, told him to take that rod that was in his hand, his shepherd's staff, and God turned that into a serpent uh, so that he can show the people that he had uh, the, the authority and power to do miracles. And then he told Moses to put his hand inside of his, inside of his clothing. And when he took it out... His hand was leprous. And we didn't talk about that last week, but leprosy uh, leprosy was a disease caused by, let me see if I can get this word correct, it's a microbacterial infection. And uh, actually leprosy is a disease that is still active today. It's contagious. Um, and what it causes is skin sores, nerve damage, and muscle weakness. And oftentimes people lose their hands or their feet or whatever because it, they lose feeling in their hands and their feet so they injure themselves because they can't, they, the nerves are, are, uh, are messed up so they don't have any feelings in the hands or the feet. So that's how they can get hurt because you, don't really, you can't tell that you're stepping on something that's gonna hurt you. So anyway, that's a, that is a real disease. Um, back in the Bible days, they used to excommunicate people that had leprosy. So this is a, this is what the Lord did for Moses. Okay, first he turned the rod into a serpent. 
Because remember, he's showing, showing him what to do in case people don't believe him. Then he told him to put his hand in his clothes and take it back out. And, and his hand was going to appear as leprous. So that be it would be a different color. Uh, it, had, it could have uh, the little, uh, uh, what you call it, uh, bumps and stuff all over it that are a different color. So it, it's really a nasty kind of disease. So he's supposed to bring his hand out and they, they were to see that. They would know that that's an incurable disease that he has. And then he's going to put his hand back into his clothing and take it out again and his hand will be completely healed. So that was the, the second miracle God was going to show them. And then the third one, he's going to turn the water into blood. <clears throat> so um, who am I to lead the people? Uh, God said, I'm going to give you success. Uh, I don't even know your name. God said, tell them that I am. And the third thing, well, what if they don't believe me? God gave him those three miracles. Then the fourth thing he says was, I can't speak well. I don't talk very well. And um, God told him to go and I'm going to, I'm going to put the words in your mouth. I'm going to tell you what to say. And you find that in chapter four, verse 10 through 12. And the three miracles started uh, with the rod in chapter four, verse one. <clears throat> and then the final thing he said, uh, finally, Moses says, send somebody else. And you know, I can't speak well. I didn't go see, I just since my own. In other words, I don't even want to go. But God said uh, to Moses, you know, God actually got angry when he said that because how many people know when God has something for you to do, you have a call in your life, you can run, but you can't hide. You're going to do what God wants you to do eventually. And God said to us, uh, said, I'm going to give you Aaron and he's going to speak for you. So, you know, God just knocked down all of Moses' excuses so that he didn't have any excuses. And then we also read last week in chapter four, verse 24 to 26, a, a, an incident where Moses had forgotten to circumcise his son and his wife Zipporah stepped in <clears throat> and kept God from killing him because she she was a helpmate at this time. She actually helped Moses to uh, to uh, to avoid God's judgment on him by circumcising the son and how we are supposed to be. It reminded me of how we're supposed to be as married people. We're supposed to be a helpmate to one another. And when we see our spouse missing the mark or there's something that's not right, um, and you do it prayerfully because, you know, <clears throat> uh, God didn't want us pointing fingers at each other, always trying to judge each other. But sometimes God's showing you that there's something that needs to be addressed. And as a mate, you should be able to address that in, in love, in love so that they can receive it. So you pray over it and God will show you how to do it in love. Um, but today we're going to finish up chapter four. Um, I think we stopped at verse 27. And we're going to read through chapter five, where there's actually the actual confrontation between Moses and Pharaoh is what we're going to start in chapter five. Chapter five is kind of short, so uh, I don't know. We might get through chapter five and chapter six. We will see. But let's just start off with a word of prayer before we, we jump in there with, with all that we want to cover today. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We invite you in. We ask you to come in and be the teacher. Show us those things that we've not seen. And we're careful to give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so let's just start reading. We stopped at verse 27. Oh, one other thing I just want to say from uh, from the last week lesson, how God used the rod that was in Moses' hand. He said, what is in your hand? And just want to remind us that um, God is going to use what he's already put inside you, what you already have at your disposal oftentimes to get you where you need to where you need to be. So oftentimes he's already he's already given it to you. You already got it and don't even recognize that 
uh, it's a spiritual weapon in your hand. So, you know, whether that be prayer, your prayer life or uh, whatever it is that, that, that God wants to use at that time, uh, the gifts and talents that he's given you, but he's already put in your hands things that he's going to use to take you where he wants you to go. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so we're in chapter four and we stopped at verse 27 and I'm reading from the uh, New Living Translation Bible. Verse 27 said, Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. And Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say. And he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miracles, the miraculous signs, as they, as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. So I know you can imagine a scene here. They've not only seen that uh, God has a call on Moses' life because they saw the miracles that he performed with the rod turning into the serpent and the, the leprous hand and with him pouring water out and it turning to blood. So they know that, that God is with Moses. And then for Moses to tell them that God had heard their prayers, he was concerned and he was coming down to deliver them. Can you imagine after 400 years and, and I don't know how long, how much of that was in slavery, even if it was just a uh, uh, hundred years, that's a long time being slavery. And they fell down and began to worship God. Just so thankful. Like, oh, let's, I mean, can you imagine? Oh my God, God heard us. He heard us. He sees what we're going through. He's going to come and rescue us. They were so relieved that they bowed down and they began to worship. So verse uh, chapter five says, after this presentation, to Israel's leaders, Moses and Aaron went and spake unto Pharaoh. Okay, here's the first confrontation with Pharaoh. And they told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, let my people go so they may hold a festival in my honor in the wilderness. Is that so? Retorted Pharaoh. And who is the Lord? Why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. So, you know, Pharaoh's kind of sarcastic. Pharaoh thinks he's a god. So it's like, who who is this Lord? I I don't know who this is. And no, I'm not gonna let the people go. I don't know this, I don't know this Lord. So he's very flippant about God right now because he thinks he's a God. Verse 3. But Aaron and Moses persisted. The God of the Hebrews has met with us, they declared. So let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness so we can offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And if we don't, he will kill us and a plague, with a plague or with a sword. Verse 4, Pharaoh replied, Moses and Aaron, why are you distracting the people from their tasks? Get back to work. Look, there are many of your people in the land, and you are stopping them from their work. The same day, Pharaoh sent this order to the Egyptian slave drivers and the Israelite foremen. Do not supply any more straw for making bricks. Make the people get, get it themselves, but still require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Don't reduce the quota. They are lazy, and that's why they are crying out. Let's go and sacrifice, offer sacrifice to our God. 
Load them down with more work. Make them sweat. That will teach them to listen to lies. So Pharaoh is furious and he decided not to give him any more bricks. So the slave drivers and the foreman went out and told the people, this is what Pharaoh says. I will not provide any more straw for you. Go and get it yourselves. Find it wherever you can, but you must produce just as many bricks as before. So the people scattered throughout the land of Egypt in search of stubble to use as straw. Now, uh, just, just a remark on this, about this, um, the bricks and stuff they were making. According to manners and customs of the Bible, the ancient Egyptians made bricks from clay moistened with water, and then they put it into molds to dry. They used straw to add to the clay and make the bricks more sturdy. So they, they mixed straw in with this mud. They would use chopped barley. This is the straw that they're going to have to look for. Chopped barley, wheat, and bean stems to make the straw. So stems of the barley, stems of the wheat, and bean stems they use to make straw. So this is what they're going to have to find now because uh, Pharaoh is not going to give them any more straw. Up until this time, Pharaoh was giving them straw to help make their bricks. And now he's so angry. They go out there and find it however you want to, but you better bring out, bring, uh, produce the same amount of bricks. So verse 13, meanwhile, the Egyptian slave drivers continued to push hard. Meet your quota of bricks, just as you did when we provided you with straw, they demanded. Then they whipped the Israelite foreman they, they had put in charge of the work rules. Why haven't you met your quotas either yesterday or today, they demanded. So the Israelite foreman went to Pharaoh and pleaded with him. Please don't treat your servants like this, they begged. We are given no straw, but the slave drivers still demand make bricks. We are being beaten, but it's it's but it isn't our fault. Your own people are to blame. But Pharaoh shouted, You're just lazy, lazy. That's why you're saying, Let's go and offer sacrifices to the Lord. Now get back to work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still produce the full quota of bricks. Verse 19, the Israelite foreman could see that they were in serious trouble when they were told you must not reduce the number of bricks you make each day. As they left Pharaoh's court, they confronted Moses and Aaron, who, who, who were waiting outside for them. The foreman said to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword in their hands, in their hands and execute to execute, execute to kill us, an, ex, an excuse, I'm sorry, an excuse to kill us. So he said, let's go back to 21. He said, the foreman said to, to them, may the Lord judge and punish you for making us stink before Pharaoh and his officials. You have put a sword into their hands, an excuse to kill us. Verse 22. Then Moses went back to the Lord and protested, why have you brought all this trouble on your own people, Lord, why did you send me ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesman? He has been even more brutal to your people and you have done nothing to rescue them. So <clears throat> this uh, this chapter is kind of self-explanatory. We already talked about it. Moses' first encounter with Pharaoh 
uh, it, he, it went well with the elders when he showed them what, what God, the power that God had given him with the serpent and all that and what to do. But when he went before Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, I am not letting the people go. I don't even know who God is. And in fact, since you talked about let y'all go, make more bricks. And you and I'm not going to give you any straw. Go find the straw wherever you can find it. So he sent the people working a lot harder. And then the, remember, the foreman got beat because they were over the cruise and they went begging to Pharaoh. Notice they didn't go to God first. I don't know what that was about, but they went to Pharaoh, uh, the tap, you know, the boss, and asked him why was he beating them when the when the blame was his own people. And Pharaoh said, because you're lazy and you're going to keep on making these bricks. So then when they saw Moses and Aaron uh, upset with them, probably very upset with them because now their life is made 10 times harder. Uh, but notice what Moses does. Moses takes it to the Lord in prayer. He goes straight to the Lord. And, and talks to the Lord about it. And he was honest, you know. So you can talk to God about anything that's going on with you. Any situation uh, that's happening, you be honest with God and just share your heart. Moses wasn't coming up anything. He went to the Lord and he told him, he said, ever since I came to Pharaoh as your spokesperson, these people have been treated so brutally. And you haven't done anything, God, to, to rescue them. So obviously, you know, he he's he's just speaking his heart to God. This is how he feels. He's feeling kind of defeated, like this is all my fault. Okay, so in verse uh, 6, then, I mean, I'm sorry, chapter 6. Then the Lord told Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he will force them to leave his land. So remember, God has a master plan. And so even though Moses is telling him all this stuff that Pharaoh was doing, it's like God didn't even, he didn't even respond to that. He says, okay, now you're going to see what I'm going to do. Okay. Pharaoh think he's God, but now you're going to see what I'm going to do. Verse two. And God said to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac and to Jacob. So instead of him answering what Pharaoh's doing, God is giving them a list of who he is. Now, y'all about to get to know who the true and living God is. I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty. But I did not reveal my name, Yahweh, to them. And I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan, where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. And I am well aware of my covenant with them. So God, God is proclaiming some things here. Therefore, verse six, therefore, behind all that, because I am God, therefore, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will claim, will claim you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you from your oppression in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said. 
But get this. Now, with all these declarations that God has given, it says, but the people refused to listen anymore. Why? They were discouraged. Okay? Moses has said he's going to deliver us and all this. And, 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 and now our work is made 10 times harder. And then Moses comes back and said, well, I just talked to God. And he said he's going to deliver you. And, and it's kind of like, you know, you can see them saying, yeah, sure. Sure. Okay, with this mess we're in, how are we going to get delivered now? Sure. So they're, they're kind of, their faith is, is kind of small right now. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now I want you to go back to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and tell him to let the people of Israel leave his country. Now they didn't say so we can go out and sacrifice. It's, now they're changing First, you said, just let us go out and sacrifice. Now he said, just tell them, let them go so they can just leave his country. We, we, we're out of here. Verse 12. But Lord, Moses objected, my own people won't listen to me anymore. How can I expect Pharaoh to listen? I'm such a clumsy speaker. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them orders for the Israelites and for, the, and for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord commanded Moses and Aaron to leave the people of Israel out of Egypt. We're going to stop right there uh, with that section of reading. Just want to share some of our notes here in chapter 6. Uh, again, you know how God says, after Moses did all that crying to him, the Lord said, now you'll see what I'm going to do. Okay, God's going to show himself to be God. And then uh, in verse 2 and 4, we just read how God said, I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I promised to give them Canaan land. So God had a covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and with Jacob. And these patriarchs died without seeing that promise fulfilled. They had, they had grazing rights when they were living. They had uh, treaties for whales. And they had, uh, Abraham he had even bought a cave for a burial site for his family. But they never had, they never inherited the land, that Canaan land, like God had promised. But God told them he is, they will inherit that land. Uh, and God, basically by mentioning these patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's a reminder to Moses and the children of Israel that I remember my covenant that I made with them. And what was that covenant? Let's real briefly, some of the promises that he gave to Abraham. It's the same covenant he, he reaffirmed it with Isaac, who was Abraham's son. He reaffirmed it with Jacob, who was Isaac's son. So he kept reaffirming that covenant. And now he's reaffirming it with Moses and the children of Israel. But some of the, um, and you'll find this in Genesis chapter 12 through 15 is where some of this came from. Um, I'm reading it from one of the books I wrote, uh, the Christian Benefit Package, we're on page 13. Uh, but some of the, the Abrahamic covenant summed up is, you will be a great nation. This is, this is the promises God told Abraham. You're going to be a great nation. You will be made famous. You will be a blessing to others. Uh, God will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you badly. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. God will give you land. So you're going to have favor, prosperity. That's what that means. You will have countless descendants. You will be extremely fruitful. Kings will be among your descendants. This is an everlasting covenant and God will always be your God. God will always be the God of your descendants. Now, these, these are this is gold. These are promises that you can take to the bank. Abraham, uh, and also Abraham would become the father of many nations, which we know he has. So that's a, that's a, a snapshot of the promises 
and a covenant that God made with Abraham that he passed down to Isaac and to Jacob. And Jacob was, um, Jacob is the one who went down to Egypt with the 70, uh, 70 descendants of his children of Israel. And they became a nation in Egypt. Remember, we talked about that. Uh, they're about 2000 strong. Now they started with 70 and the Pharaoh is trying to make life, tried to make life horrible for them because they were getting too big. So he turned them into slaves. So these are the same people that God made this covenant with. But notice that in verse five, God heard them. So we need to remember that God always hears our prayers. I know it's been a long time. You've been praying for the same thing for a while. I haven't seen it materialize, but don't give up because God always hears our prayers. In Revelation 5, 8, it tells us that the elders were carrying bowls full of incense, which represent the prayers of the saints. So don't ever think your prayers are not being heard. God hears you. He hears your thoughts. He hears your prayers. And then in verse six and seven, where we, we were talking about how God declares that he will uh, free his people with great acts of judgment. He said, with an outstretched arm. And according to Nelson's study by this means that God will be taking an active role in judging Egypt and delivering Israel. And in verse eight, where he told him, I will bring you to a land, to the land of Canaan. And Canaan land was just a prosperous land, a land flowing with milk and honey. I mean, it was, it was fertile. It was a good land. So some of God's promises we see in Exodus chapter six, verse five through seven. Uh, number one, he said, I'll deliver you. Number two, I will make you my people. Number three, I will be your God. So he's going to have a relationship with you. Four, I will bring, bring you to the land of Canaan, the land I promised to your ancestors. And um, incidentally, just as a sidebar, these um, the things that God said he was going to do in Exodus chapter 6, verse 5 through 7, uh, the Jewish people actually in their Passover feast, they have four cups of wine. And it's said that those four cups of wine represent all those things that God said he would just do, that we just read. So when Moses told the people what God has said, they refused because they were discouraged. Anybody out there discouraged right now? You can't give up on God. And someone once said, delay does not mean deny. So just because you've been praying over something and it hasn't happened yet, doesn't mean God's not going to bless you with it or give it to you. It just might not be time yet. You have to trust that God knows timing and his timing is precise. And he knows when to bless us and when it's time for us to just wait. Because you, you can learn a lot in the waiting, just like, just like you can... Uh, learn a lot and be happy with the blessing, the waiting is going to produce gold inside of you. I'm telling you, it's going to cause you to grow up in the Lord. Uh, verse 10 to 13, the Lord told Moses to go back to Pharaoh and demand he let the people leave his country. So even after Moses protests about him not him speaking coming, God still ordered him to go. So when God has a call in your life, we need to stop trying to weasel out of the call. Stop trying to get away from what God has called us to do. Because uh, he's not going to, oftentimes he's not going to let you get get away from it that easy. You know, and I'm reminded of Jonah, how God told him to go to Nineveh. And he, he squirmed and wiggled his side. He didn't want to go to Nineveh and end up getting swallowed by a whale because he was trying to go in the opposite direction. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And what happened? He had to end up, he ended up uh, submitting to God and surrendering. And God ended up using him and he ended up going to Nineveh where he was supposed to go. So watch it when you're running from God, you know, when you're, uh, when God tells you to do something because he is going to make sure you do 
what he had you to do. Somebody said he he doesn't uh, force us to go, but he can compel you to go. He can put enough fire under you. Just say, okay, Lord, I'll go, I'll go, I will go. And we don't want to have to go under those circumstances because it might not be too, too pleasant for us. So, amen, we're going to stop there. And um, we stopped at chapter, we're in chapter 6, verse 14. So we did really better than I thought. But anyway, if you have not accepted Christ into your heart, please go to my channel, uh, YouTube channel called Read Through the Bible with Elder Linda. And there are, uh, there's a playlist there called The Sinner's Prayer. And on The Sinner's Prayer, you'll be explained why you need Jesus. And also there's a teaching uh, tape called Teaching About Salvation. On that same playlist, we'll give you all the scriptures about, about your salvation and why you need salvation in the first place. Because we want you to have a full understanding. You know, oftentimes we tell people you need to be saved, but, uh, you know, you might not understand why. So if you listen to those tapes, you will understand why you need to be saved because time is winding up. Amen. So let's just say a quick word of prayer as we close out. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We give you all the praise. We thank you, Lord, that you are our God, that you are our King. We thank you that you live inside of us. Lord, we're so grateful for your presence. We're grateful that you, that you haven't given up on us, oh God. Father, we just pray for all those out there, Father, that you would forgive us, Lord, for anything that we've done, knowingly or unknowingly. Holy Spirit, we ask that you continue to work on us, oh God. Father, we know that we are building under construction. Father, we know that your grace and mercy is there for us every morning. And we appreciate it, Lord. And we say thank you. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for keeping us. And we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. And I'll see you next week.